Casa, I believe. It's Casa, Oregon. Casa, Oregon. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> what you up to these days, man? Uh, not much. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, geez, where to begin? Right. I mean, I heard you're running for county commissioner. I I am. I am. But uh, but we're you know we're here to talk about. Uh, we can talk about it another time. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm up to a lot of things, but uh. But my main gig is uh, as coalition manager for Casa Oregon. Which has to do with immigration? Yeah. So or Casa Oregon is Oregon's immigrant rights organization. We've been active since, oh boy, 1995. Um, and we came about because there was a number of direct service organizations. And what I mean by direct service, it's like organizations that popped up in the 70s and 80s uh, that saw that immig- immigrants in Oregon needed services, translating mm. documents, helping them find housing, jobs, you know, basic things like food pantries. Mm. And there was a number of anti-immigrant ballot measures that popped up in the mid-90s. And so a bunch of groups got together and said, we need an entity to protect immigrant rights. Mm. And CALSA was born. Beautiful. And so what is your day concern? What, what, are, what are kind of some, some things you're working on? Oh boy, right now, we're working on IP43, but uh, to really get into IP43, I think we need to start at the beginning. All right. So in the mid-90s, we had a, a series of anti-immigrant attacks, and Calso fought back pretty hard. And then we spent a later part of the 90s and early 2000s just kind of chugging along, right? We did some... Uh, direct service stuff. We did um, some work around some national immigration issues. We dabbled in policy. We really were kind of just like chugging along. But what, what really happened what was the game changer was 2008. So in 2008, um, Oregon decided to enact a um, prerequisite that in order to obtain a driver's license you had to prove that you were in the u.s uh legally and that just got overturned i believe yeah so we just we just won um hp 2015 uh, which would give folks without legal status the ability to drive in the state of oregon nice but cal as an organization has been around for over 20 years but really 2008 i think was when we really shifted into the organization we are today. Yeah. And that's because we had a bunch of folks across the state that previously were able to drive and then they weren't. Mm. And that's when things really took off. So what were the implications of people not being able to drive? Or, I mean, and then several, being able to? Right? I mean, so, were there workarounds or would they just drive without licenses or how would that work? I mean, think about it, right? Let's say you got to get to work in the morning. Right, you got a wife and kids to feed. Yeah, you have two choices. Either one, you choose to drive to ju- you choose to drive without a license. Mm-hmm. You risk deportation, or you don't drive to work and you don't feed your family. 
That's pretty tough. It's one or the other. Is there not the risk of deportation even without the driving without a license? Of course. Of but course. it just increased this, just like another right. opportunity. Right. It's just a, it's just an increase. It's just an increased anxiety um, and threat to immigrant families. Yeah. And it, you know, and it had been the case for a number of years since 2000. Like I said, since 2008. Mm-hmm. But we just passed a bill which that that changed. But but really, there's. You know, I think it's important for folks to understand how this came about, and it all started actually in nine eleven. Do you remember? Do you remember? How old are you? I was four. You're so four. Not really? Yeah. How old are you? Uh, twenty two. Twenty two. I'm twenty eight. Okay, okay. So cool. So you're a little older. So I was in fifth grade. Yeah. And I remember. It's funny. My dad's birthday's on nine eleven. Wow. I know. <laughs> so I remember coming downstairs, uh, and my dad was watching TV. Right, super early, he's ready to go to school, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What, well, Dad? What are you watching?" Sorry, folks, a little background noise. <laughs> you know what? I could even—I I don't normally edit talks, but I'll edit some stuff like sure. that. All right, so you walk downstairs. And- so I walk downstairs. Right, it's nine eleven. I'm like, "Dad, what are you watching?" He's—he's he's dead silent. And I look at the TV, and I see like the planes go through the twin towers. I was like, what movie are you watching? Wow. I thought it was a movie. Yeah. Right? I was 11 years old. He's like, son, this is not this is not a movie. And then he goes, my birthday is ruined. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> right? So every 9-11, yeah. we're out here. At, uh, and so, so how did that spark uh, what this whole current thing is? I mean, right? We 9-11 happens. And basically, Congress starts freaking out. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't know what to do. They're they're terrified that something like this will happen again and th- and threaten national security. But what also happened was a lot of anti-Muslim and anti-immigrant views really started to pop up. I mean, like crazy. Yeah. So in 2005, Congress passed the Real ID Act, okay. and the Real ID Act basically was an attempt to monitor and ensure that that 9-11 didn't happen again. Mm-hmm. So what Real ID Act said was, you have to prove that you are in the US legally in order to get on a plane. Mm-hmm. And they issued, right, because they didn't want quote unquote terrorists yeah. to bomb stuff. Mm-hmm. And who are terrorists? Well, immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. So basically a lot of anti-immigrant and anti-Muslim views popped, popped up in the American public. Well, to the, after 2001, but really in 2005 is when the Real ID Act was passed. Okay. And each state was then required by federal law. Do you to think there's any enact. any good to that act, or do you think it's completely? Like, I think I think up it came. Smoke? I think it came from a place from, of fear. An, from a place of fear. Absolutely. And a, and xenophobia, but also an attempt to to keep the American public safe. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, our leadership let fear get to them, and enacted safety measures that I don't think one were all the way adequate. And two, had a negative effect on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So 2005 hits. States across the United States start enacting requirements for driver's licenses. Because, right, because up until now, you can get on a plane with a driver's license. Yeah. But just because of the feds pass the law doesn't mean that it's that each state's going to do it and do it immediately. Yeah. Such so, as Oregon's one of so those. So Oregon uh, didn't do it till 2008. Okay, cool. So 2008. Something, yeah. Legislature, I think it was legislature or the governor. I'm but pretty sure it was legislature. It. They say, listen, 
If you want to get a driver's license, you have to prove that you're here legally. Yeah. What does that mean? You have to prove you're either a birth certificate or a citizenship card. Mm-hmm. Basically, then between eighty and 100,000 people are no longer eligible to wow. drive. That's a big Overnight. number. Overnight. Just in Oregon? Just in Oregon. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, so since then, we've been fighting. Cool. 2008 legends. We had a massive rally that year. I mean, I was in high school still, so I didn't go. Mm-hmm. But from the folks from the past, thousands of people show up to the state capitol for a rally. Nice. Right. And, and still nothing happens. So that's really kind of how we, this from 2008 onwards is when the fight for immigrant like licenses is really at, at the epicenter for immigrant rights in the state of Oregon. So that was a huge thing that that got overturned just a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, so what, what does it look like if someone was brought here at like two as an undocumented person? Mm. Like, do they have any way of eventually like getting documentation or? Depends. Depends if they're, if they're, if they're eligible for DACA, they could become a DACA student, a DACA if they apply for citizenship, maybe, but there's no pathway to citizenship. People talk up, people talk about citizenship or a path to legalization is like, well, you sign up on a list and then you eventually happens, mm-hmm. right? I have family members who applied to be citizens or um, 25 years ago. Yeah. And still haven't heard nothing back. Wow. There's no line. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because it's a lottery system. It's broken. Right now. No, it's broken. <laughs> it's broken. Our immigration system is broken. Well, what should it look? Because I don't, I don't know really anything about immigration. Do you think it should be like any of the extremes, like open borders, closed borders? Or do you think it... You know, what, what, what do you I mean? Think I'm not in the, I'm not in the option of getting into extremes, right? Well, we nice. need to, we need sensible immigration reform mm-hmm. and we need it to happen at the federal level. Okay. Right. And we need a pathway to citizenship. People come here to the United States. My parents came here, um, to participate in the uh, American tradition of, of searching for a better life. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's part of America's ethos. It's part of what makes us a great country, a land of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the answers. Casa doesn't have all the answers, but we do. What we do know is that what's happening right now is not working. Yeah, and so what's broken about it right now? I just don't know. I mean, there's a number of things that are broken about it, right? I mean, one, it's uh, there's a there's there's a lot of misspending of funds. I mean, most of the funds that are used in the U.S. right now for the topic of immigration are around is around border enforcement. And around tearing families apart. Um, so right now we're living in a in an era of cruel deportation force, right? Ali, uh, I mean, Obama was not the friendliest towards immigrants either. He deported more people than any other president in, the, in U.S. All history. Of, all other presidents combined, actually. Yes. And, but there was certain rules that Obama abided by that the current federal administration just doesn't care about. Mm. And yeah, what is going on with that, uh, that, that place at the border where everyone's like sleeping on the ground with little blankets. What is that? Do you think that's going to end at any point? I don't even know what it's called. You don't know what it's called. Mm-mm. You know what I'm talking about with the, all the photos is a huge thing in the news. They had like the little, uh, tinfoil blankets and stuff and everyone was really mad and it could still be going on. I just haven't heard. Um, yeah, it's still going on. I mean, they're detaining kids at the border and, holding them in these detention centers. I mean, we're violating a bunch of Geneva Convention stuff. We're violating, I mean, we're, we're basically participating in, in war crimes. Wow. Um, but 
unfortunately like we're in a we're in a time right now in which it's hard to push anything at the federal level especially after the 2016 presidential elections yeah so what a lot of folks have done including causa is shift to um, a more states-based approach mm. doing immigrant rights yeah so i want to get back to this thing about driver's licenses because it's important cool um 2008 we try to get it 2009 10 11 12 it's like banging our head against the wall yeah right finally in 2013 we passed something we passed a driver's card not a license a card okay. basically they were they were going to be marked they're going to look different from what what you and i have in our pockets yeah and what are the implications of that i mean people were able to drive that's that's if they got pulled over with one of those they would still know they're undocumented yes. when they deport them or they don't deport them so that was 2013 so that, was 2013. that was that was 2013 so that was a driver's card yeah but some folks were upset because if you were to get pulled over the officer would know that you were an immigrant and so would it be up to their discretion at that point no we have a well that oregon has the oldest sanctuary law in the nation it does even yes. back then since 1986. Since 1986, they've been. Yeah, out. well, I'll get into that. Yeah, okay. I want to get. I want to go yeah, through this doc, first. Yeah. Um, so 2012, we passed. 2013, we pass it. It's supposed to go into effect 2014. Pass it in spring of 2013, 2014, and then it's supposed to go up in 2014. But then we have Measure 88. Okay. So Measure 88. Um, was an initiative petition that was filed by Oregonians for Immigration Reform. Oregonians for Immigration Reform is an anti-immigrant group that uses xenophobic and racist um, attitudes to try to uh, push anti-immigrant views and policies in the state of Oregon. Mm -hmm. And they're backed by a group called the Federation for American Immigration Reform. It was founded by John Tanton. Basically, it's like John Tanton's the founder of the modern anti-immigrant movement. But FAIR has a ton of money. And so FAIR injects a lot of cash to Oregonians for Immigration Reform to start collecting signatures to get the newly passed driver's card onto the ballot. Okay. And they're successful. So 2014, they get onto the ballot. They collect the 88,000 signatures required to get it on the ballot. So in the fall of 2014, Oregonians took a vote. They took a vote on two big things. Yeah. One was a driver's card, Measure 88. The second thing is the legalization of marijuana. Mm. Marijuana passes with flying colors. Mm -hmm. Measure 88, we lost by 32 points. Uh, so like, we were left scratching our heads. Yeah. How does a voting pool, Oregon's majority blue, how does a Democratic pool that cares about marijuana, reproductive justice, Democratic values, environmental stuff, mm -hmm. how are they not on our side? Because money propaganda paid for by the opponents? That's, well, that's what we were scratching our head about. Yeah. So then we start a coalition. After that, the 24 or so groups that were really pushing hard for Measure 88 are like, we, we can't continue to sit here and be sitting ducks and allow anti-immigrants to just wreck us, yeah. right? Like ruin us. So they formed a coalition. They started doing research, messaging research on how to talk about immigration. And eventually becomes the One Oregon Coalition. And in 2016, three, three more anti-immigrant initiative petitions get filed by OFER. But we stop all three. Nice. So we grow a coalition from about two dozen to 50. 
what's the motivation behind all these people paying, pouring so much time and energy and money into these anti-immigration laws? I'll get into that in a second. Cool. So we went from, in 2016, right, we are an internally facing coalition. We got about 50-something folks. We're doing some research. We're gating coalition members across the state. We're talking to people who we typically haven't talked to about immigrant rights. And then the elections happen, right? Yeah. And, you know, to answer your question about this anti-immigrant stuff, I mean, there's... Organized Immigration Reform has been around for a long time. So has so has FAIR, Federation for American Immigration Reform. And the Federation for American... The Federation for American Immigration Reform's goal is to drastically change immigration policy in the United States. And their founder, John Tanton, is like a xenophobe, uh, a eugenicist. Like the guy has said some crazy stuff about immigrants and about population control. And he happens to have a lot of money and power. Yeah, I mean, the guy started in the 70s, like writing papers and doing research and getting into the pockets and um and allyship with some with some people who have some severe like anti-immigrant views but they disguise themselves in environmental rhetoric oh okay um and they wait they tie together environmentalism and immigration yeah we're not going to get to all of it but it's gonna (laughs) yeah there's a lot we could be here for hours (laughs) but i mean yeah they so they i'll just so they use anti-immigrant uh rhetoric but they also use environmentalist rhetoric so things like population control right there's this thing in some environmental uh, movements around there's too many people on the planet we can't sustain all this life right there's too much carbon in the air right it's unsustainable makes sense you're like yeah 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 that makes sense right only problem with that view is that when you start talking about population control what population are you controlling yeah Poor people who don't have a voice. Poor people, people of color, immigrants. Becomes a slippery slope. Yeah. But OFER does the same thing. So Oregonians for Immigration Reform, if you look go on their website right now, OFER is an O, is an o with a tree in the middle. Mm-hmm. If you look at Sierra Club's website, mm-hmm. Sierra Club has the exact same tree. It's just behind us. Yeah. There's a reason why Kaus's Eugene office is at the Oregon, is at the Sierra Club. Right? So... Yeah. If you go to Albert's website, it says advocating for a sustainable level of immigration. Mm-hmm. So they appeal to people's sense of wanting to have a better planet. And then they start to uh, sprinkle in like, well, if we didn't have so many immigrants, there wouldn't be as much pollution. If we didn't have as many immigrants, we wouldn't be taxing our our crumbling infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they, they view immigrant as blithe and they use environmental rhetoric to legitimize it. But going back to 2016, elections happen. Then we have to shift from being in, uh, an internal coalition to an external one. So we launched one Oregon. That's about the time I started working for CAUSA. So mm-hmm. Trump and I started about the same time. Yeah. <laughs> he got elected in November. I got the job at CAUSA in December. So right before he went into office. He started in January. Yeah. I started in February. Okay. So we're about, you know, we're oh, about the same time. <laughs> Yeah. But when I jumped into the coalition, you know, I grew it from about 50 organizations. So now we're over 100. Nice. And um, one of the first things we did was uh, talk to our Enviro friends, Sierra Club, Oregon Environmental Council, 
are going to leave conservation voters, a bunch of other people. And we told them, hey, these people are using pretty much your, your movement and your oh, logo yeah. to legitimize their points of view. And they said, we won't stand for it. Mm-hmm. We said, great. So we formed the Environmental Committee of One Oregon. And one of the first things the Environmental Committee did was uh, Ofer had a meeting in Salem back in 2017 where they brought, oh, I forgot her name. She, they brought this woman to come. She's like a national think tank person for Dark. the anti-immigrant movement mm. to Salem. That's so, crazy. It's someone's job to just think yeah, up ideas yeah. about anti-immigration. Yeah. That's someone's job. So they brought her to the Best Western at, in Salem. And the Enviro Committee was like, what do we do? And so what we decided to do is to hold a, a counter demonstration outside the hotel. So in spring of, was I think it was April of 2017, a bunch of Enviros went out and held a little rally outside of the hotel and then wrote an op-ed to I think the Oregonian signed by the director of Sierra Club and the director of the Oregon League of Conservation Voters like the lobbying arm of big envirals in Oregon Dick Thruder? Uh well they posted it about how if you if they, they posted a view that the real envirals are them mm. not this anti-immigrant group Ofer mm-hmm. and Ofer's been writing off op-eds for years Years and years and years. And we've responded to them. The immigrant rights movement has, and they never respond back. But this time, they did. Ooh. We struck a nerve. Yeah. We underpinned like, their, their biggest talking point, which is around the environment. And we did so with actual environmental groups. Nice. And so what was the downstream of that? There's no other state in the U.S. doing this. Really? Who else is doing it? I don't know. Exactly. I, I don't know. know. If you know, tell me. I don't know. I'm not. So you Oregon, at, you Oregon's, Oregon's at the cutting edge is what I'm, is what I'm wow, telling you. Wow, I had no idea. What Oregon's that. at the cutting edge of pushing back against anti-immigrants, I believe. That's pretty crazy. And of all states, we're not even on a border. So here's the reason why Oregon's so crucial. Yeah. What do you think is the most liberal part of the country? Uh, coasts. Coasts, right? Yeah. Well, which coast? If you were to choose East oh, Coast West or West Coast? Coast? West Coast, West Coast, Coast yeah, baby. Okay, cool. West Coast, Best Coast. Yeah. Okay. Now, out of those three states, unfortunately, Oregon's the weakest. Mm, I believe it. Here's, here's why. Yeah. So, California has, oh, I can't, I couldn't tell you the exact figure. But if you want to change a law in the books, let's say I tomorrow you and I are like, you know what? We hate people who wear they call her orange yeah, fuckers. just because we're a dumb country, right? Yeah. <laughs> I would just say that. We hate people who wear orange. We okay. don't want any orange people, any orange people. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> orange wearing. Or, excuse me, orange, orange wearing yeah. folks. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Got dangerous there. We don't air orange wearing folks <laughs> yeah. in Oregon. So you, what you and I would have to do is we would have to file um, a ballot measure. We would have to file an initiative petition or a referendum. And you need you so a couple of things need to happen for that for that to be successful. One, you have to collect the first a thousand signatures. So you and I would go around town. Get a thousand. We would get a thousand. Then we submit it to the Secretary of State. Secretary of State gives it to the Attorney General. Attorney General issues it brings us back a ballot title and then approves it or denies it. If it's approved, then you and I go out and we start collecting signatures. And we need eighty thousand? Eighty eight thousand one hundred and sixty four. Wow. That's what it used to be. Okay. 
It's more now, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But at the time, it was 88000 So we would, you and I would have from now until June to do that. Wow. Now, and if you want to do the same thing in Washington, the threshold's more like 500000 If you want to do that in California, forget about it. <laughs> so if you were a national anti-immigrant think tank and you want to invest some cash yeah. in testing some anti-immigrant stuff, be easiest to pass it here. You would do it in the most progressive part of the country. Yeah. And you would do it in the easiest and cheapest one. Hmm. And that is Oregon. Okay. So anti LGBTQ, reproductive justice. This abortion. is a ballot ground for all this of them. Oregon is we, ballot, we need the least Oregon amount of signatures. Oregon is a ballot ground, man. Yeah. Wow. And the thing is, if you can break a, a state on the West Coast, you can break anyone. That's what happened with driver's licenses. We lost that fight, mm-hmm. and then several other states across the nation lost their driver's licenses because they used the game plan here. Like I said, we're the tough. We're like we're we are the line. Yeah, we have to hold the line. So 2017, 2018, wild stuff happens. Right? Yeah. we've got the Muslim ban. We've got deportation stuff. We've got DACA. Right, we've got like all these things just popping up, just popping up. Right, yeah. we're just playing defense, 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 defense. Now, I remember, Oford in twenty fourteen won the fight against drivers' cards. Yep. So Oford starts to feel brave, and in the fall of twenty eighteen, the fall of twenty seven, excuse me, fall of twenty seventeen, they filed the shit petition twenty two IP twenty two, and it was filed by Mike Neerman, Representative Mike Neerman. He's a state legislator. He's, he's in the state legislature. Sal Esquivel, also in the state legislature. Um, and Greg Bredo, also in the state legislature. Now, all these guys have connections to or are board members of Oregonians for Immigration Reform. Huh. And they're state legislators. Sal Esquivel no longer is. Yeah. But Greg Bredo and Mike Neerman still are. No longer on legislator or no longer member? They're no longer legislators. Okay. Two of them are two out of the three are still still are legislators, yeah. but they file IP twenty two. Now, what is IP twenty two? IP twenty two was seeking to take off the books ORS one eighty one a eight twenty. Now that is also formerly known as um, it's our sanctuary law. Okay, yeah. Whoa, they're yeah. trying to get rid of that. They they already did try. Now, where you been? Huh? Where have you been? I don't know. This just isn't, I, was, I was in school. I was <laughs> you were, trying to you've been some, hiding. And yeah. that's part of the problem, right? Well, the a lot of folks is, don't know what's going on. Radar. Yeah, a lot of folks don't know what's going on. So they try to, they basically, Ofer's feeling, they're feeling strong, right? Fall of 2017, they're like, we got rid of driver's cards. Yeah. What do we do next? Trump's in office. We got rid of driver's cards. All this anti-immigrant stuff's popping up. How can we take this to the next level? Yeah. They take a look at one RS-181820. Now, here's how that came about. In the 70s, there's a guy just north of us who was in a restaurant having lunch with his friends and family. And a cop rolls up and asks, makes him stand in the middle of the restaurant. This is in the 70s. And says, where are you from? Now, mind you, this young man um, was born and raised in Independence, Oregon. That's where, that's where this happened. Yeah. And... After half an hour of being harassed, a community member walks in and says, what are you doing? This kid's from here. He went to school just down the street. Yeah. Obviously, this kid's really upset. He Mm -hmm. goes to a lawyer named Rocky Berea. Rocky Berea 
tries to sue the police force. They eventually work it out to where the police says, okay, we're no longer going to ask in individuals immigration-related questions because Sounds we're good. local law enforcement. Yeah. So this young lawyer eventually becomes Oregon's first Latino legislator. Cool. And in 1986, 1987, excuse me, he passes a law, the ORS 181A820, with broad um, bipartisan support. Only two people voted no, one in the House and one in the Senate, thus making Oregon the first state in the nation to have a sanctuary law, explicitly prohibiting law enforcement from using personnel, uh, uh, equipment, and funds for the aiding or identification of immigrants in the state of Oregon. Wow. We're the first nation in the, in the U.S. to have a quote-unquote sanctuary state. law. And back then it wasn't known as, it wasn't a sanctuary law. Yeah. It was like disentanglement or something. Have other states gone through? Some other states have them. But like I said, we were the first. We were the first. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't. So Ofer says, we're going to go after that. Mm-hmm. Fair, the national level. They're like, we're going to make an example out of Oregon. Yeah. So they put it on the ballot. And it's my coalition's job to fight against it. So we do. We start talking, doing talks, collecting pledge cards. We grow our coalition from 50 to 100 and something. July rolls around 2018. They got enough signatures. It got on the ballot? Yes, it did. Man. So last fall, yeah. last summer, myself, other folks at CALSA, our viral friends, sort of the, sort of the infrastructure of One Oregon, yeah. eventually just immediately shifts to the Measure 105 campaign. And the Marshall 105 campaign was a campaign to defend, to, to protect the place we call home, to yeah. protect Oregon sanctuary law, right? And mind you, we had just gotten, our, we just gotten smacked in 2014. Mm-hmm. So we work super hard. Yeah. We raised three and a half million dollars. Wow. We knock on over a million no, wait, doors. Spend? Yes, three and a half million dollars. Wow. Yeah, this yeah, this is this is this is serious stuff. That's nuts. Right? So yeah. we work super hard, we raise all this cash, right? We have the we have a massive team. That was my job to manage our coalition. Um and November of twenty eighteen, election night. We're sitting there, I'm in a room full of other folks waiting for the results to come in. And it pops up. Yeah. We won. Nice. So you didn't waste three and a half million, spent three and a half million. That's we won. Yeah. And we won by 27 points. Congrats, man. We, so we went from 2014 to 2018. Losing we went from, from a 32, 32, 32 loss to, to a 27 point victory. And how nice. did we do that? Yeah. We did that through the, through the coalition infrastructure. Of One Oregon. Investing in partnerships and investing in message research. So we, so the, the other organization that's done some other movement that did this was the marriage equality movement. Okay. In the early 2000s, they used rhetoric of like uh, rights and responsibilities, right? So if you're married, you have responsibilities and you have certain rights. Like mm-hmm. if your partner's sick, you get to decide what to do with their money, right? Like there's all these things. That yeah. was the rhetoric, but it wasn't working. Like it was just going through people's ear and going out their side. So the marriage equality movement spent millions and millions and millions of dollars trying to figure out how to talk about this. So one of the things they did is they said, they asked people, why did you get married? Cross generations, cross race, sexual orientation. What was the big answer? So they boiled it down to two things. Love, 
and commitment. That's the one, that's the line that, th- that's the needle that threaded everyone's reasons for getting married. Yeah. Within two years of them switching to that framework, the Supreme Court passed marriage equality as a law of land. Messaging works. Yeah. And one organ is in the business of defending against anti-immigrant and anti-Muslim bills and ballot measures. But our real goal is to change the hearts and minds of Oregonians. Nice. About how they feel about immigrants. And message research is the best, most effective, cost-effective way you've you've started doing that. I mean, we're testing. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're we're doing message research and we're testing it, right? Yeah. And we te- we were able to test it in a big way with Measure One Hundred Five. And it worked. And it worked. Yeah. So, you know, for a long time, I think people think that like facts and numbers convince people. They don't. People respond to people, not numbers. I like that. And that's the big lesson we learned was that if you want to change the heart and mind of a person, introduce them to whoever they, they're afraid of yeah. or they think they're afraid of. And so you guys are no longer on the defensive. You're on the offensive. You're getting things right, like so the Right, so 2019, yeah. we pop up. Coming up your year. Right? So 2018, we got a huge victory in November. Yep. We ball out. 27-point victory 27. that night. We're popping champagne. Yeah. Right? We're partying. We take, all of us take December off. January hits. And we say, okay, baby. Well, other stuff happened, too. We reelected Governor Kate Brown. Mm-hmm. We won uh, two seats in the Senate. We won a couple seats in the House. So now Oregon's become a supermajority for Democrats. Cool. So we enter 2019 legislative session like, okay, let's get it. Let's do this. Yeah. So we introduced driver's licenses for all. Not a driver's card. License. A driver's license. Yeah. It looks exactly like the one you and I have in our pocket. Nice. I grow a coalition of 100 and something organizations. We have 18 community forums across the state. Um. We've got, we had a lobby day of over 600 people, mostly immigrants, who came across the state to advocate for driver's licenses. Wow. I mean, we made, like, we showed out. Yeah. And we won. Nice. So in June of this last session, we passed driver's licenses for all, completing this circle that I was just talking about. Yeah, from Now, here's a problem. Is there's something called IP43. So the day after, the three days after the governor signs the driver's license bill, yep. she signed it in August. We had a big party in Woodburn, one of our partners' um, offices. We had food, we had music. The governor came and signed it. Three days after, Angela Roman and Mark Callahan file IP43 to repeal the driver's license law. God. So here we are today. So you're immediately put back on the defensive. Yep. So they just finished collecting 3,000 signatures. Um, it's sitting in the attorney general's office. What do they stand to gain from 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 fighting so hard? Like the the main people who are opposed to all these things, who's funding them? What's the rationale behind it? This is where things get tricky. So after Ofer lost in 2018, their president Cynthia Kendall, who's really been like the epicenter of Ofer for a long time, moved out of the state. Mm. She moved to Idaho, and Angela Roman. Is uh, was a legislative aide for Mark uh, for Mike Nierman, the le- one of the legislators who filed IP twenty two okay. against sanctuary law. 
we're unsure of how close Mark Callahan and Angelo Roman are with Ofer because Ofer was pretty quiet when we were trying to pass driver's licenses. Yeah. They kind of ran away with their tail between their legs. They like let you have that one kind of? Well, they, they didn't really fight that hard. Hmm. But really, Ofer's never really been that strong. Okay. Their strength comes from the national. Mm. Right? So national invests cash. National pays people to gather signatures. Mm-hmm. So what we're unclear about now is how, is how closely is Angela Roman and Mark Callahan to Ofer? We know they're talking to each other. We know they're gathering signatures. They gather signatures at the county fair and whatnot. Do you ever meet with them? Do you ever like... With Ofer? Yeah. No. You, you, don't, you don't ever meet <laughs> no, and talk no, with the enemies? No. We had a series of debates um, when they were trying to take away sanctuary law. We had a massive debate between our executive director, Andrea Williams, and Cynthia Kendall, president of Over. There was yeah. a debate, like a public debate. How'd it go? Oh, dude, we smashed them. I nice. mean, yeah, how do you but mean? It, but, the, but the energy in the room, like you could look it up, you can find it, Cynthia Kendall versus Andrea Williams. But that's the only time we've talked to them is in debate format. Okay. Um, but here's a, here's a real question for us. With the 2020 elections approaching, does Ofer and the national anti-immigrant movement have the power and resources to continue to invest in the state and which last couple of years they've lost? Yeah. And if I were them, I would focus on getting different state, a certain someone elected. Yeah. Instead of wasting all this cash and money in Oregon. Yeah. But up until now, we haven't seen a single contribution from them to Trump from the national anti-immigrant movement to Oregon. Oh. For this ballot measure. Wow. So, uh, and we're currently in the process of getting a ballot title back from the attorney general. Okay. Should happen between, we, ha- we have the ballot title back, but another public comment period is open and comments are due with October 8th. So we're going to submit a couple comments on behalf of CAUSA and our friends over at the ACLU. And um, we'll see what happens from there. But again, I don't, the only reason why IP22 and Measure 88 passed was because Ofer injected cash. Uh, FAIR, right, the, fed, the federal anti-immigrants injected cash into Oregon to collect signatures. Mm-hmm. I, I, and the That's threshold... That's passed, mostly. And the threshold is now 112,000. Okay. Because so, of how many people turned out for the governor's race. Oh, okay. So that's that's how those those thresholds are counted, is how many people turned out for the gubernatorial race. And because so many people turned out for the governor's race this last election cycle Ulfer is going to have to work a lot harder and the national folk have to invest more cash. But you're going to have to work a lot harder too, correct? Because you, st- you need the same amount of votes or you, signatures. Well, for what? We're not, we're not proposing any you're not, initiatives. You don't have any We don't have initiatives, but no. We don't, we're not proposing initiatives, no. You don't have any plan for the future? You're just kind of like defending where you're currently at? Well, initiative, but we don't have, we do our stuff in the legislature. Oh, okay. It, it's a really expensive to try to do get stuff in the ballot. Yeah. And in it, doing initiative petitions. That's that's our opponent's strategy because mm. they know they can't pass stuff in the legislature. Yeah. Okay. So, and John Tanton, this guy I was telling you, the founder of the anti-immigrant movement, mm. he just passed away about a month and a half ago. And for the last 30, 40 years, he's been fighting the reigning king of the anti-immigrant movement. He's their, he's their, their, you know, he was their, like their guy, you know, he was their, their Kobe, like he was their Michael Jordan, right? He's a LeBron James. Like he was the guy. 
So you, he just passed away. It's a big transition period of figuring out of where they're going to spend their money yeah. and who their new Kobe is going to yeah. be. And, and if they're going to invest cash in a state in which they've been getting smacked. Yeah. So 2020 is coming up. If I were them, I would worry about getting a certain guy reelected versus continuing to invest cash in a state where they've lost. Our hope is that they don't. Our hope is that they say, you know what, we're going to leave that Oregon. They waste money. Gonna, we're the, well, our hope is that they'll leave Oregon alone mm. so that we can focus on. Wouldn't it be better for them to waste the money here than to, to spend it in a good way that would hypothetically give someone power? They don't have, I mean, in the in the grand scheme of that, mm-hmm. that would, that's that's not, it's, it's insignificant. Oh, okay. In How Oregon, much money do you think goes into the presidential elections? A couple a thousand? No, I'm kidding. No, no, <laughs> no man. It's almost a, it's like millions, millions and millions of dollars. That's nuts. Yeah. So, yeah, but in the meantime, we're not going to let our guard down, right? Cool. Like, we're watching them. We're watching the ballot title process. We're so are you going to be taking your fight to county commissioner? Or are you going to be using your 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 place of uh, position, a position of power there to keep fighting for the CASA? I mean, CASA is my job, so if I, if I were, were to be elected, I'd have to you quit. Know. But would you still? So, what does a commissioner do? I'd I'd rather not talk about this because I'm on on work time. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I can't use we can't use work time to talk about stuff. We We can do do another one just for the county commission. But sounds good. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Do you have any other topics you want to get to, or? Um, I mean, I just want to say, right? Like, I kind of took you to like this this like story, right? Of 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 anti-immigrant, anti-immigrant movement in Oregon and how we've defended against it, but. I know you had some topics, some other stuff that I just want to quickly run through, right? So we have like, right, there's other stuff going on, right? There's like all these immigration raids. There's people being separated from their families. Um, there's uh, public charge, right? There's um, trying Act. to figure out the Dream Act stuff. Like, so, we're, and we're also working on all those things. Yeah. So Kaos is not just like doing anti-immigrant like defense. That's more my tent. Mm-hmm. That's my my area of expertise. But we have. I think we have what ten. We have ten staff, right? And and each one of us is focused on a different thing. Wow. So we have someone that's just doing fundraising. We have someone, and we've also done some cool stuff. I mean, we've done some cool stuff around DACA, right? We've gotten, and we actually just this last session too, we got a million dollars from the state legislature to invest in deportation defense. Nice. For immigrants who are facing deportation in Portland, so. What Kaus is doing, I see, I know you had some questions about sort of the national immigrant immigrant rights issue, and there's and we have we have friends and we participate in some of those coalitions. Well, do you think leading but it's by a example, disarray. just like uh, if over and fair take over that kind of sets the bar that okay, then they can, you know everywhere else will fall. Do you think if you pass things for the better, that's that why other- that's why we do this, right? Because we inspire other states. Yeah. So like I just got a call the other day from folks in Idaho. They want to pass the driver's license. Nice. So they want to hear. That's what it's all they, they about. They want to talk about some strategy. Yeah. Right. And we and we have friends in Colorado. We've got friends in New York. Colorado, New York just passed the driver's license law. Uh, just this last session, Colorado did last year. But we're all talking to each other. That's so awesome. So Olfer and is talking to other anti-immigrant groups across the nation. We're talking to other immigrant groups across the nation. I have one argument that I want to prop up that I, I, that's just something that I keep hearing that I'm like, you know, I haven't heard the argument against it. Um, what do you think of the fact that like people who are undocumented should be paying taxes? Do you think there should be a, a like, they do pay taxes. They do? Of course. Oh, I didn't know that. Of course they pay taxes. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
Wait, Anyone how, who tells you they don't pay wait, taxes. Wait, how are you get a job without a social security number, though? People they use an I ten. People, uh, yeah, people use, yeah, people use all the, yeah, people pay taxes. They do all okay. the time. Yeah, that's a fallacy. So they're pretty much documented then. No. What? It's a fallacy. It's a fallacy. If you're paying taxes, and you have a driver's license. You just technically don't have a social security card or birth I can't. I mean, I can't go into particulars with you just because I'm, you know, we'd have to talk to our policy director. Okay, he yeah. He can set it straight for you. But what I will say is that I know people who are undocumented, and when they get a paycheck, there's taxes, there are taxes on it. Beautiful. But they do, what they don't get is any benefits from it. Uh, so they're paying into a system in which... They don't get social they security. They don't get social end. security. They don't get any benefits. But they do get roads and like hypothetically some of the things that taxes pay I guess. for. Yes. Yeah. So the it's a, yeah the, the it's the, a weird fight it's a because fallacy. so I many mean, people go I've gone my entire life not knowing any little bit of this story. That's part of the problem too is that if it doesn't affect you why would you know? Yeah. How would you know? And that's one of the things with our messaging research that we found is like people just don't know. A lot of people just don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't or they don't and if they don't have any immigrants in their lives. All they see what's on the that's what's on the media, right? So, some of the stuff we've done is 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 actually show immigrants. And when we were doing Measure One Hundred Five, we had immigrants themselves talk about how getting rid of our sanctuary law would affect them. Nice, right? Yeah. People want to hear from people directly related. People to want to hear it. from like people. I said, people respond to people, not to I numbers. Like that. Do you have a call for action? Any way people can help? If people have been hearing this, like, damn, I'm motivated to help. Donate to CALSA. Cool. Go to CALSA Oregon's website. Follow us on Facebook. Um, donate to, about, donate to us it. if you can. Um, talk about it. Could they like help yeah. sign petitions or get petitions? Uh, and you can also go to the One Oregon or CALSA websites. And there's there's calls to action there. Opportunities to volunteer. Cool. Participating events. We have a big gala coming up October 17th. Ooh, where at? The American Dreamer Awards in Portland. Okay. If you go to our Facebook page or our website, you can find the American Dreamers Awards link. Cool. We have this massive gala where we raise some cash. Um, but we did just do a really cool fundraiser I want to share with you before I go. Yeah. Um, we had a <laughs> – so we – I'm sure you saw Joy Nations and his folks were up doing a white nationalist – like they were doing a white nationalist march in Portland a couple of weeks ago. Wow. And Pop Mob, they're a, like an arts group, did a counter demonstration and did a fundraiser. Oh, cool. So for every – with for every protester that showed up mm. against um, these folks, they would give a, a dollar okay. to Causa. Yeah, and so we got to we in a one night overnight because of this white supremacist, we got donations from Pop Mob and from people across the nation and even people as far. We got donations from like London, and we donated. Wow. We got thirty six thousand dollars donated to us. Holy cow! So I was telling our development director, she'll kill me. She wants. She, she's like, no, don't do it. But I was telling her we should go to a, do like a staff retreat, in Puerto Vallarta, and send a little postcard to, to the Prod Boys, being like, thanks, uh, thanks for the vacation, babe. You should. <laughs> that would be so funny. And just like hey, she throw, was like, no, we're not using the money for that. Throw another rally. We want to go to Europe. Yeah, we want to go to Europe. <laughs> yeah. So we we made national headlines for that. Calsa yeah. did. Um, because that you know, comes back. I've been telling my listeners this all the time. Good is bad from their perspective. They're doing good, but it actually hurts their cause. Yep. The more you push one way, yeah. the more it helps the opposite strengthen. Yeah. Yep. So we got $36,000 cause of their little demonstration in Portland or bad is good. I guess from your yeah. perspective, from their yeah. perspective, good is bad. Well, we just see, we just see these things as opportunities, mm-hmm. right? And to raise we, awareness. Yeah. Fight yeah. the good fight. Yeah. To fight the good fight. And the, so causa in Spanish means cause. 
cool. The cause. The cause. So maybe. we say in English, we call it la, la causa, right? For the so cause, the for cause. the movement. Yeah. So, so we the, call it so it's causa Oregon. It's like the it. movement. It's, it's Oregon's movement. Yeah. That's beautiful. I yeah. appreciate your time, man. Yeah, you, yeah. You've got a lot of knowledge in there. Um, I'd love to have you back on in a couple sure, months, maybe sure. off the clock if you ever want to talk and just Yeah, hang out. of course. We could talk about, you know, some more personal stuff. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Pleasure to meet Sweet. you, man. Thank you. Thank you.